Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and for your love. And I thank you, Lord, that you are always with us. You're, always, you're so faithful, Lord, and we give you praise for that. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord, and, and uh, I pray and thank you for this great opportunity just to bring your word, Lord. I pray that there'll be something in this message, Lord, that will speak to your people. Speak to them individually, Lord, something that they can take with them today and they can apply to their lives, Lord, and give them strength and encouragement, Lord. I pray for your anointing to fall upon me through your spirit to preach this this message in Jesus' name. We pray, amen and amen. I think as a pastor uh, through the years, there, there are certain uh, situations that happen, have happened in my ministry, and some of them are very difficult to get over, or sometimes the thoughts will come back about that situation, or, you know, you know what I'm saying, we probably have all those things where something's happened to our lives or in our lives, to us personally or whatever, and it kind of sticks with us, you know, that thought or that situation or whatever. We had a family, and, well, they weren't really involved in, in the church that I was pastoring at, but uh, their son, this family, he was good friends with my son at the time. And this boy's father was heavily involved in drugs. I don't know if alcohol was a part of probably alcohol as well in his life. He was in and out of rehab through the years, they were, there were countless times when they would, a husband and wife, they would split up because of his, his drug issue. They'd try to reconcile, and then that kept going back and forth, back and forth, on for how many years. And so finally the wife said, I've had enough. I'm done with him. You know, I'm just done. There's no way that I want to reconcile. So after she had said that both to Jan and myself, and then probably a couple days later, I don't know the timeline as far as that's concerned, I'm not really sure, but a short period after that, that I received a call from her husband. And he wanted to talk to me about his situation with his wife and his children. And I knew the story, I knew his background, so... When he came into my office, we sat down, we started the conversation. And basically, I listened to him. And he said, I want my family back. He says, I'm, I'm done with drugs. I'm really going to try really hard not to live that lifestyle. What do you say? You know, probably most of us think, yeah, yeah, we've heard that one before. We'll have to wait and see what happens. So I listened to him. And as I listened to him, I caught something in his eyes that I still to this day, he had this like, like uh, loneliness in his heart. He looked so sad and so lonely and so frustrated and hopeless. And so I, I listened to him. And then at the end of the conversation, I said, I want to pray with you. I want to help you in any way that I can, but you know, because he knew that we had a relationship conversation with his wife. And I said, 
she's not really at this point, she's not really to reconcile, you know, willing to reconcile at all. And he looked at me. And that look, that stare has stayed with me. He had that look of loneliness and hopelessness. He left my office, and within 24 hours, he committed suicide. And I replayed that, I replayed that in my mind, like, God, did I miss something? Is there something that I missed in this? How could I miss that? I saw the, what can I do? You know, and after I felt sorry for myself and got over that, I realized there's nothing I could have possibly done. He was so, so etched in his loneliness. It was so overwhelming to him that he could not recover from that. Surveys remind us that loneliness is at the top of society's concern. Loneliness can be described in a variety of ways. It can be an an anxiety that just lingers, and then it comes back and it haunts us at night. It's easy when we're lonely or depressed or whatever, we can kind of navigate through the day. But it's at night when we're alone with our own thoughts. That's when things tend to come back and they tend to fester and we start to relive those, that, that loneliness or that depression or whatever, whatever it might be. It can be an emotional surge when a certain song that you hear just jars a memory. You know, we can think back. Isn't that true? A song can really bring something back. You know, sometimes we hear in Christmas time, some of the Christmas carols, we might, one might really hit us. And we think about days of, of gone by, former Christmases, maybe with family, friends, or whatever the case might be. Or if you were, were dating someone and you thought you were in love or whatever, you say, oh, that's our song. Remember that one? Ever had that? I guess it was just me, right? I never had one. Jan had one, but I didn't. And it can be a form of stress that seems to build over a period of time. And then that stress just saps our joy and our enthusiasm. And it can be just being a leader or just being a boss. Loneliness can hit in so many different ways in our lives. And I think probably perhaps the one that really gets people or really it centers on their, their deep regret or emotions is the one of incompleteness. I feel incomplete. I feel like I'm worthless. I feel like I just, I just don't measure up. Nobody cares, whatever. I'm just there by myself. I'm lonely. I'm hurt. Loneliness manifests itself in singles. We say that a lot in single moms, single dads. How about a lonely spouse? Two people are married, and yet through emotional issues, they seem to fracture their relationship and they break apart. So they're together, but they're not really together. Hear what I'm saying? And then there's the, um, the marriage survivor. 
the loss of a husband or a spouse, that's a big one today. And how loneliness can set in under those kind of situations. And parenting can be a lonely for both the kids and mom and dad. How about a senior citizen? Whoa. You know, poor Rudy. <laughs> hey, brother. Okay, we're good, right? Okay, that's good. And, you know, as you get older, you never think of that, you know? When you're younger, you never think of, oh, being older or whatever and being isolated. You just don't think of those things. But being in, in and out of nursing homes and so forth, all those years, I've experienced people that are just lonely. They're just lonely. And how do you help someone overcome that kind of loneliness? Students have it too. Kids today, young people, are going through a whole lot of stress. They're going through some of their own kinds of loneliness. And oftentimes, that comes through uh, peer pressure. Health problems. You know? Many people feel when the health issues or whatever comes in and they just have that feeling of depression and loneliness that hits them. And here are some two categories that I'm done with this, and that is... Pastors, believe it or not, pastors are, by and large, not your guy, of course, you know, have bouts of loneliness, of loneliness. And I'm not, I'm just speaking for all pastors. A pastor of a church has his church family, but there's always a separation because the pastor never is, because people, you're here, okay? You bring your pastor in, and you stay, he goes. That's pretty much how it works in ministry. A pastor knows that he's there for a season, and then he moves on or whatever, but the people stay, your friends stay, your friends, etc., etc. So there's a kind of a loneliness in that when you have to make a separation or you have to go so far as a passive, then you have to back away because you know that's what you need to do. Missionaries, loneliness. I can't imagine that. Being a missionary, and if you have, how many times have we had young families here with their kids and they're on furlough and they're trying to raise their money to go into the mission field. They're taking everything. They're sacrificing everything to go into a foreign culture in the name of Jesus Christ. That is loneliness. We run from loneliness in a variety of ways. For some people, they get lonely, they get depressed, they eat, and they eat And they keep eating because they're trying to satisfy their loneliness. That's one form. Other, we talk about drugs, alcohol, work. You know, many just throw themselves into work because they were trying to run away of their their issues that they're dealing with in their heart and their mind. You know, fantasy world. 
Some people live in these, these fantasy worlds. They have these fantasy ideas of what life is about, or they want to get into that world because they don't want to deal with the realities of what's going on on in their lives. Broken relationships. Maybe I'll feel better. Maybe I'll get over my loneliness because, because Fred over there, oh, he, he knows my heart. I can talk to him and he hears my, he knows my, my, what my needs are, but my husband can't fill those needs because he's so distant from me, but Fred can. Dangerous relationships never work. They don't. What they do is they can cover up maybe a problem. It might be a short, short, short-term thing. You know what I'm saying? I won't dwell into that because I'm not going to give you the birds and the bees and all that. I won't, we're not going to go that route. I bring these things up because it is so important. We get, we, sometimes we get uh, wrapped up in the sports, the entertainment. And, of course, some people, the way out is suicide. Suicide rates are up. We know that all across the board. You know, we are living in a world that is so different. Isn't it true for those of us that have, were raised in the 60s or whatever, even in the 70s? It has changed so dramatically. Even people driving today, man, it seems like everybody's in a hurry. You know, I'm driving here today. This is just a, but here I go. I'm going down a rabbit trail again. I'm driving here today. I was a little bit late. We took two cars. You don't need to hear that, but, uh, and so forth. And this guy was just riding my bumper. You know, he just came by me and said, hey, dude, what's your hurry? I'm already, forgive me, Lord, I'm already speeding just a little bit, but you're speeding a lot. So that's, we run. We tend to, all of us tend to run in our own way from from some of these issues. How about in our Bible heroes? Consider Moses, for example. Now, there's a guy that was lonely. This guy carried the burden of a whole nation. If, if you know, the phrase we use, it's lonely at the top. Boy, he could really identify with that one. And how about King David? You know, we all read the Psalms and the stories in Sammy about David. He's such a remarkable man of God because he went through so many phases of life. It was amazing how through all of them that he always turned and centered his, his life on his God. So we, I'm going to look at David for a moment here. We're going to look at Psalm 142, verses 3 and 4. And they tell us this psalm was, David wrote this psalm, psalm when he was running from Saul's army. There again, David's on the run. His run, Saul was chasing him. You know, you know Saul would be good for a while, then all of a sudden, Saul would kind of freak out. He'd go after David again. So David was used to running. That's what he did. And even had, he ran. How painful was this when he had to run from his own son, Absalom? who wanted to kill him. So he's already king. Now his son wants to kill him, so he's on the run again. And so, but this one, uh, this time, it was when King Saul was really trying to track him down. Psalm 142, 3 and 4. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, 
Men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge and no one cares for my life. Have you ever had that sunken feeling that nobody cares or understands what you are going through? Oftentimes we hear that from our, from our, our children, right? Teenagers especially or whatever, the young people. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand. Maybe sometimes parents don't. But I want to tell you something, young people. They love you so much. Then help them understand. If you feel your parents don't understand what you're going through, then sit down with them and talk because they're your best pals. It might not appear that way, but they, they will love you more than anybody else until you, get, you know, find your future husband or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You know, so, so that's important for us and for us to understand that, that, that even when we're in those moments when we, when we feel that people aren't understanding what we are going through, God does. Jesus understood, understands. And that's what David experienced. He knew. He knew. Let's look at, um, at verse uh, uh, 4 from David. He said, no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. He knew what it was like to live a lonely life. David was a shepherd boy. And oftentimes, oftentimes he was alone with his flock. Sometimes for days. He was there. He was alone. And then, of course, here, this guy's playing hide-and-go-seek in a cave because this army was after him to kill him. Even when David is sitting on the throne, he had bouts of loneliness. How about the great apostle Paul? Let's look at 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 11 and 16. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Uh, Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus to, to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And then he said, get Mark. Listen to this. He said, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. He's lonely. He's saying, bring him, bring Mark to me. And then in verse 16, he says, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not, may it not be held against them. Paul expressed the need to overcome his rejection, his loneliness, and sought the presence and comfort of friends. And even asked for his co-worker, Mark, to be with him. Consider this. Paul was a brilliant scholar. I mean, the man really was absolutely brilliant. He knew hundreds of people. And he had planted all these churches. And yet he experienced loneliness. You think, a guy that had it all, why would he experience 
loneliness, but he did. How about as we look at Paul, let's look at verse 16a again. At my defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Paul was often a lonely missionary. He was lonely in prison. He was lonely on the road. He lived a very lonely life. He never tried to hide his loneliness. So, well, that's a long introduction, isn't it? Wow. So I want to look at ways that we can overcome our loneliness. Okay, number one, face your loneliness. Well, let's look at Matthew 28, verse 20. That is, this uh, passage is part of our mission statement. But what I want to do is, I'm not being lazy, but I really want us to hone in on the second part of that, uh, of that verse. It says, and surely Jesus said, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Since Jesus is present with us through his spirit, we can be honest with our true feelings. That, here's the deal. We can be honest with our true feelings because guess what? We can't hide them from God. God knows what you're thinking right now. If you're thinking, whoa, get this sermon over so we can go home and do whatever, then shame on you. No, really, seriously, God knows our hidden thoughts. So why try to hide them from him? If I'm lonely, and if you say to me, Maria, how are you doing, Pastor Dave? Oh, I'm doing fine. And God is saying, no, you're not. You're not doing fine. You see, so we need to be in touch and be honest with our, with our feelings. But we need to understand this, that loneliness is not a sign of weakness. It's not. It comes because we are just human. We all have those bouts. And please, if there's somebody here or you know someone that has never had bouts of loneliness or whatever, please bring them here and we'll let them talk to us and show us how to do it, what that looks like. Amen? Amen. Isn't this good? It's so good. Where'd where'd Rudy go? All right. Okay, number two. How does God heal loneliness? Galatians 5. 16 through 18, how many times have we heard Galatians 5, 16 through 18, and one, right, right away when we hear that, we think of life in the Spirit, right? Absolutely. Paul said, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. No doubt. No doubt we are in a battle between the flesh and the Spirit. That's what Paul is talking about. Paul says we overcome the flesh of loneliness by what? By living in the Spirit. That is it. That is the ballgame. You can underline that one. It's by living in the Spirit, being obedient to Christ. It is seeking His face, seeking His power each and every day. If you are in a, in a, 
in your loneliness and you can't get out of it, then you need to check your faith. You need to say something like, God, you know, this isn't working for me. I must be missing something. Chances are you're missing what God's trying to tell you what to do or trying to help you. Does that make any sense to you? It does to me. All right. Um, Okay, let's look at... uh, Verse 16 again, so I say live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Here's why I want to go with this, and you really need to hear this. I need to hear it too. I, I love when we have all of our experiences with the Lord. That's why I love to hear testimony, because I love to hear people, how God has ministered to them in their lives, how God has brought them through moments or whatever the case might be. That's one way that we learn, to, that we tend to grow in the faith when that happens. There was a, a girl in my high school. Yes, we, it wasn't a one-room school. It was a school. I didn't ride a horse to, to school. We, we had vehicles and buses and so forth. But anyway, she married her high school sweetheart. They were so cute together, you know, and they were so, even back then, you knew that they, there was something, there was a connection there. They were really in love. So after, after high school, they married. I can't tell you exactly what, but they married after high school. She was a couple of grades ahead of, ahead of myself. So, but anyway, and they were, they were the couple. But what made this story so interesting was they became born-again Christians. And they so loved the Lord. And this is during the time of Vietnam. And his name was Jerry. He was drafted. He went in the army. She became pregnant when he went over to Vietnam. And he became a local hero. He was killed in Vietnam, but he saved, he, was, he, he drove these tanks or whatever, and he sacrificed his tank for his, for his men. In fact, they named an airfield, uh, Wickham, Wickham Airfield, somewhere in, in the south. I just say that because... This, and and they, they loved the Lord so much. And when he died, his wife, in her grief, and this is what I heard from people that were there and with her father, whatever. And I'm just giving you big fragments of the story, but I'm trying to get to the point of it. And she was in pain, but she was at peace. She felt the comfort of her Lord in her darkest, darkest hour. That woman never remarried. She became a widow, probably at 21 years old, 22. Because, this one I know, because she felt that Jerry was, was the only man for her. 
that God had given, given her this man, and she was content never to remarry again. Now, we do know that's her story, but the other stories can be to the contrary. We know that. But the point is, throughout this and to this day, she is depending on her Christ, her Lord, to see her through her day. Isn't that something? And that is a true story. That is a, that is amazing story to me. I thought of that. As I thought of this message, I thought of Suzanne. And I thought, wow. See, only Jesus can fill the void of our loneliness and give us peace and fulfillment. That's my point for all of this. You know, I, you know, I could give you many of books on loneliness and say, hey, read this, read this. I'm not saying they're bad reads. But I'm saying at the end of the day, it's only Christ that can, that can heal you and give you peace and fulfillment in the midst of your loneliness. Number three, allow God's word to work through your servanthood. Mark 16, 19, and 20. After the Lord Jesus had spoken, spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed, listen to this, and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. Having completed his work on earth, what Jesus? He went to his Lord in heaven and his interceding at this very moment. Isn't it wonderful to know that God is interceding for us, that Jesus is interceding for you right now? To me, that is just, that is just mind-boggling. But Jesus is more than our representative. Read, I want to read again verse 20. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. Why did they do that? Why did they go out and preach everywhere after the ascension, after Christ was ascended? And the Lord worked with them, confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Jesus also works in and through us by miraculous signs confirmed in his word. Jesus Christ is true to his word. That's what he's telling his disciples. I am true to my word. Say that these things would happen. Then after that, they went out and they preached the word. They preached Christ. How about us today? Jesus Christ is true to his word. He said, thy word is truth. We have it right in front of us, just like those apostles, those disciples. The same Jesus that, that ascended to heaven back in biblical days is with us today. He is true to his word. Amen? Oh, to me, I, that is just fantastic. How many have ever been, a, uh, been on a dairy farm? All right, dairy farm, okay. How, how many again that I missed? Okay, so few of you have. Now, I don't know about the dairy farm you've been on. My son, my brother-in-law, was raised on a farm. And they, it was a big, it was, it was a dairy operation. And I remember going to, when it was milking time at night, never, that's early in the morning, I'd never get up for that time. But at night, you milk the cows right, twi twice a day, right? Once in the morning, once at night, and you milk them pretty much at the same time. They're in a routine. Now, in this milk house with my brother-in-law, they always played the radio. I thought, why are they playing the radio? Were they, you know, and, and they told me, now I don't know if this is true or not, 
that it settles the cows down. They're in a routine with the radio's on, it settles them down. I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. I never thought of that, you know. Um, but then I thought, doesn't, isn't that what the Word does for us, the Word of God? It settles us down. You know, when we're anxious, when we're uptight, when we're lonely, whatever, then the Word encourages us and does give us hope and God does give us fulfillment. So, so when we read the Word of God, hopefully as we're reading it and seeking its truths, the Holy Spirit will settle down our spirit. Just settle us down and say, be cool. I've got this. Yes, everything's going to be okay. That, that's, that, I don't mean that to sound trite. I don't mean that to sound like, but it's really true. If you're in the Word, you know what I'm talking about. It settles you down. It does me every time. If I'm whacked out sometimes, and I, I know, Dewey, you say, my pastor's never whacked out. But when I'm really not where I need to be, I can be in the Word, and the Word will settle me down. It just does. The Spirit just works in me and just settles me down. Okay. Are we ready for the last thought? Do I hear an amen? Okay. I don't know if that's a good amen at that time or not, but anyway. I don't know, Sue. I think we're doing fine up here. But that's just me. Okay. Now listen to this one. That's what Christian friends are for. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is what? God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. These two verses are loaded with absolute nuggets. You could preach this, these two verses in just so many different ways. But this is, the, this is what God has laid upon my heart here. John talks about the images of light and darkness. Light, as we know, represents who? Represents Christ. Darkness represents Satan. We are called. We are in fellowship with Jesus Christ and each other when we are walking in the light. Right? We're walking in Christ. We're walking in the Spirit. That's very clear. However, we are not in fellowship with Jesus Christ or others if we're walking in darkness, if we're walking in the flesh. Um, there are so many conferences that you can go to. If you just took your, I can we can put Mike hand on the Mike say Mike do some research on us and about get some conferences on church growth. He could probably come up with in a matter of minutes, probably 10, 12, 15 across our country that they have these conferences how to build the church. 
I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying you can do that. They're there. And some of you know where I'm going with this. So you can fall asleep or whatever. I'm going to give you one clear lesson on how to grow a church. And this is without fail. You want to know? People say, no, this one is without fail. New people come on a Sunday service to our church. What are they thinking when they walk in that door? They might be thinking, where are the washrooms? Why do you want to know where the washrooms are? Oftentimes they want to know, okay, what about the church school or Sunday school? Something for my kids, can they engage in? And then they come in, maybe as a family, and they come into the church service before, you know, they may, their kids might go to another, to Sunday school, whatever the case might be. They're lonely. In a, in a sense, they're lonely. They don't know anybody. So when they come in, they're apprehensive. They don't want to be singled out. That's why when you have new people come to our church, I will never, ever single them out up here. Because that, when you, when you do that, they want to crawl right under the seats. They don't want that. But they're looking for relationships. They're looking for where their kids can connect and where they can connect. They want to work out, in that sense, their own loneliness. Now comes responsibility for the rest of the body. When new people come on, they don't want to be necessarily just swarmed like bees, you know, whatever. But they want to be recognized. And this is for young people. Your parents are here, you young people. You have a responsibility. Your responsibility is when you see a family come in and they have young people your age category it is your responsibility to contact them and make them feel welcome make them feel at home i can't tell you how many churches i've been at church when we're on vacation we like to go to church and just go and not be recognized whatever we'll just go to worship and this one church we went they were talking about the love of jesus and fellowship after that sermon, after the message was over, nobody said hello to us. Not one. And I thought, well, there blows a witness right there. And then, and that church is a struggling church, that I know. Then people wonder, why aren't we growing? Why aren't we growing? Well, guess what? God just laid it right in your lap. What do you want God to do? Come and just say, okay, let's just bring people into the church. We don't have to do anything. Church grows through its people. Plain and simple. You had that responsibility. You can't lay that on me. Not all of it. Some of it you can. You can't lay that on the pastor. That is on you as well. You own that. Now, I'm not lecturing you guys. Here, I'm not. I'm not lecturing you guys because you're doing it right. You're doing it right. But there's always improvement, right? We all need improvement. We all need that. You probably take somebody that, you know, owns a, their own company. They know, they know that sooner or later they have to, 
they have to make changes. They have to all. They're constantly trying to upgrade. Constantly, you need to do that to stay a company in your own way. God, and what I'm talking about here is that to walk in Christian fellowship, to walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ and others, is a matter of choice. It's our choice to make. It's just like living a life of loneliness is a choice. We can choose. We can choose to stay in our funk. We can choose to stay right there, or we can get out of it. It's our choice to make. And I'm not. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about an isolated moments where you know you have your your children come in, and you might have them for a holiday or for a day, and then they leave, and you feel, oh man. I feel this loneliness. That's okay. Those are isolated moments when you're lonely. I'm talking about constant, constant lingering moments of loneliness. If you are in that category, then God is speaking to you today. If you are lonely, there's issues in your life where you can't seem to get out of that constant lingering of loneliness. Then God has something for you. He's calling you. For God has given us everything we could possibly need to overcome loneliness. His Son, His Spirit, His Word, the Church, brothers and sisters in the faith. Remember this, my friends: Jesus Christ is only one ask away. From finding real victory over your loneliness, one ask away. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's a brother and sister right here that's really struggling with loneliness, Lord, if there just has a grip on them in some form. No matter the age, Lord, if there's some loneliness out there, there's some. It's just tearing them apart, and they think that maybe nobody understands, nobody really cares, nobody's really listening. Lord, but you are. You are listening, and so, Lord, I pray that you just minister to anyone that is going through some of these. Unfortunate issues in their lives, and that you are waiting to hear from them. Oh God, I pray that you might reach out to them, and they might reach out to you, and Jesus, they might feel your touch, that they might understand that you understand, that you care, that you love them just the way they are. And you want to love and guide them through their issues, and we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise in Jesus' name.